are recording. Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, a podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking RC planes, helis, and drones. My name is Andrew Sill. I'm the host of this program, coming to you all the way from the land down under, Melbourne, Australia. And thanks once again for joining me. And now, we have an experiment today on the show. Uh, that experiment is where it's the first time ever that I've had four people on the line at once. And what a bunch of four great guys on the podcast today. They're a group of guys from uh, my local flying club, the uh, Packenham Districts Aeromodelers Club. And what they are is a bunch of four young guys. So they're the youngest group that we've had. They're on the age of 18. One of them might be close to 18. Anyway, so we have uh, Harrison, uh, Balint, Guy and Cameron joining me on the podcast. And just, I was really looking forward to getting these young guys on because they'll give us a different take on their view of the hobby, their experience in the hobby. And uh, there's a few pearls of wisdom that come from uh, the young crew when uh, asked a few interesting questions. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into that chat with the young guys, uh, let's take a look at what's been happening around the traps. Well, in my hometown of Melbourne, Australia, the restrictions have started to come off, which means the flying clubs are really busy. Everybody couldn't wait to get back to the flying clubs and plenty of flying happening, which is good and good to see around other parts of Australia. The flying is going strong as well. But what it has meant is that there are a lot of planes that need to be made. And because we've been busy over this lockdown period, what a year 2020 has been, I must say, that I think I'll join many of you in saying that it's probably been one of the worst years that most of us have experienced. But the end is looking near. I'm, I'm confident that things are looking good. Our Christmas will be a good one. Uh, moving to 2021, where there's lots of talk about uh, COVID vaccines coming out there. And uh, I don't, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't mind taking a vaccine. Um, I've benefited through my life, I think, from medicine. So I don't have an issue in taking the medicine that will be approved and follow the correct protocols and all that kind of stuff. Uh, actually, just on that, there's a friend of mine that works in the pharmaceutical industry and he uh, and one another friend posed the question to him, what do you think of these vaccines? And he said, look, the Pfizer one, it'll be great. Um, he knows the company, they're always science-based, so it should be okay. But anyway, you'll make your own minds up. But uh, back to the flying, flying has been good. As far as product launches, I think a lot of the manufacturers have, uh, have this backlog of... Um, of uh, products to build to, to fill shortage in demand. But next week, I'm going to talk about a, a product. I've just thought of it now. There is a new product out from Hangar 9 that Ali Machinchi has been working on. Uh, OV10 or OV4 or OV something, um, which is this giant scale uh, plane that's coming. So I'll, I'll have a closer look next week at what the details are around that, do a bit of research. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's an interesting time uh, leading up to Christmas now. And I wonder what you're going to have in your kit bag as far as asking Santa what you would like to have from an aero modeling perspective. Personally, I've got, I'm covered. I've got every base covered. I'm interested in buying anything. There's no model that I'm looking at. I just want to go and fly my models. Uh, and that's it. That's all that is on my agenda. So good news. We're back up and flying again. Next step is hopefully events. Hopefully We'll get back to uh, some events happening. Unfortunately, over in South Australia here, they went to a mini lockdown 
they put a stop to one of their scaled wider events that was going to happen in Border Town, but they're looking at uh, having something a little bit closer to Adelaide. So pity that that couldn't go on. And uh, with the borders starting to reopen, the Victorian state borders reopening to other states, uh, it would have meant that, uh, well, we would have just missed out on that scale event, I think. We just fell short a few days, but uh, 2021, looking forward to it. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have a bit of an experiment. It's the first time I've had four people on the line uh, doing like a Zoom call kind of thing and recording it. And it's a chat that I wanted to have with um, a bunch of young guys. What, what I try to do here is cover all bases as far as the demographics that uh, are involved in aero modeling. And, and I don't have a personal favorite. I, I love everything from, you know, like John Lamont that's been in the industry for, oh, not in the industry, John Lamont has been in the hobby for a, a very long time and hearing his story. I love the stories from the older modelers telling us about what it used to be like and, and captured that history on tape. And then I love, you know, the younger guys, like we had Levi Wagner last weekend talking about jets uh, and, and everything between. But now we're going down to sort of the sub 18 year old mark and, and uh, at my local club, the Pakenham Districts Aero Models Club, there's been a, a a group of young guys that you know people are proud to say are doing great things at the club and and add another dimension because as we know, getting young kids involved in the hobby is difficult. And but these guys will talk a bit about that and and their journey. So it's really I wanted to capture their journey in the hobby, so we could see what the pathway could be for for not all kids but for some kids. So. Please welcome Harrison Balint, Guy and Cameron to the Flat Out RC podcast. Well, today we've got a bit of experiment happening. We It's the first time ever on the Flat Out RC podcast that we've got multiple guests on at once. And I'm calling these guys the awesome foursome. They are four young chaps from my local flying club down here at the Pendas Club in Melbourne, Victoria. Gentlemen, please introduce yourself, starting with you, Harrison. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Harrison. I am the youngest of the group, being 15, but I'm an aerobatic flyer, and yeah, I just got a new aerobatic plane, and I'll tell you a bit more about that later. That is true. Well done, Harry. So Harry is the youngest of, what, what did you say, 15? Yeah, 15. Okay, now I think we're going to the oldest next, aren't we, Belint? Um, I'm actually not the oldest. Well, Cameron's older than me by a little bit, but uh, I'm Belint. Uh, I fly scale. Uh, I do scale competitions. Um, my I was going to go to the World Championships this year in scale, but coronavirus said no. Um, uh, yes, so I'm the scale one of the group. I like to fly warbirds. He's a warbird man. Okay, down to Guy. Guy Megan, tell us all about yourself. Uh, I'm Guy. I'm the oldest in the group, being 18. Oh, are you? <laughs> well, yeah. I've got it all wrong, didn't I? <laughs> it's all right. Uh, I fly mainly scale, trying to get into pattern aerobatics. Okay. Have you finished school now, Guy? Is this your last year at school? Uh, no, still in year 11. Oh, you got one more year. And then over down to our final... Uh, attendee at this great forum is Cameron Sexton. Cameron, tell us all about yourself. Um, hi, I'm Cameron. Um, I'm 17 
And I'm deep into pylon racing. Absolutely love it. I love the speed and adrenaline of it. Well, we're, off air, we've been picking on Cameron about being a pylon racer and you know, saying that he talks really fast because he, he likes all things fast. But look, great to have you guys and a great diverse bunch of, of flyers as well, uh, ranging from 15 all the way through to 18. Now, this, I'm going to really enjoy this podcast because I, I, I want to use this as an opportunity to hear from the younger generation that are in the hobby now so that we older chaps can learn from your experience and, and also get to know you guys. So starting with you, Harrison, how did you uh, get started in the hobby? Well, I, before flying planes, was actually really interested in remote control cars. And me and Barlin have been good friends for a long time. And one day, about three years ago, I decided to buy a small plane and Barlin had just joined Pan Ducks. And so he said, why don't you bring that plane down flight pinned up so i did and ever since then basically i've loved flying rc planes so it's balint's fault yes it is <laughs> yeah well see uh, what about you balint how did you get into it so you were into it before harrison then so i've i've always been interested in in aviation in general so i've always been airplane crazy from about two years old, like, you know, I have to go to every single air show, see every single airplane. Um, I got my first RC airplane at about the age of five. It wasn't like anything too special. It was one of those two-channel Chinese little foamies that you can fly in circles. And then, um, yeah, I played with that about. And then I went to a hobby shop and I discovered that there's way more to this than I initially thought. And then from there, I just bought tiny foamies really, and just fly them to the park now and then. I taught myself to fly. And then uh, at the end of 2017, I discovered P and Ducks at Sandown Model Show um, there. So I took one of their brochures and a couple of weeks later, I went down. And then from there, um, my confidence and my interest for the hobby skyrocketed and it's just been going up from there. Yeah, okay. So so you had that that passion for planes early on as well. And guy, you know, I know you're an, you're you're really keen on the hobby. How did how did you get your start? Were you dragged into it by by a friend, or did you find your own way into yeah, it? Yeah, I was uh, I was dragged into it by Balint. Again, it's his <laughs> fault. Was, yeah, yep. Uh, previous to joining P and Ducks, I showed pretty much no interest in RC whatsoever. But but one day, Balint's like. Hey, you should come down to the flying club I go to. So I'm like, all right. And ever since then, I've been really interested. And yeah, I've come so far since then. That's true. It's all Balint's fault. And your parents obviously don't like Balint as well because he's the one that forced them to spend all the money. Well, yeah, basically. Now, now Cameron, I can, I, I, I might know your story, but you go and you tell your story. Um, so ever since I was young, I've always been into aviation and I've always loved the sound and the smells and just the looks of the planes. Um, and my dad got me into it quite young, um, when we were members at the Western Port Model Aircraft Club, which was my first club. Um, and yeah, I, uh, learned to fly there. I flew there up until this year before moving to Pain Darks so I could be with the boys. Okay, so that's good. So you, yeah, you, I know your dad, and uh, he's mad keen on the hobby. So it's interesting that a lot of people say that um, the most common way into the hobby is through 
you know, a dad or a mom or someone that's involved in the hobby. And with out of the four of you, well, there's three of you that got each other into it, thanks to Belint. And then Cameron, of course, was introduced by his dad. And I, I'm with the other three boys. My dad didn't introduce me to the hobby. I, I, I found it through magazines. Um, and it's interesting that Belint, you know, you, know, you saw it at the Sandown uh, sort of hobby show kind of thing and, and, and got that in and then you dragged the others into it. So interesting scenario there that, that the three three of you, well, Belint was, you You were a trailblazer, Belint, so thank you. you. You're the one, the sales rep that's getting people into the hobby, so good on you. Now, learning how to fly is a bit daunting, and uh, but I'm interested to see how all of you went through that learning process and, and, and how you went about that. Harrison, how did you get going when it came to, to learning how to fly? Well... I've never actually owned a proper simulator. So I, learning for me was all in reality. So my first plane, it was one of those UMX little models that had the gyro. So I started flying on that. And as I went down to Pandark's Moor, they actually found a plane for me and gave it to me, which was an E-Flight Apprentice. So I started learning on that with the help of a trainer. And eventually, after a few months, I became good at it. and yeah. So did you get any learning, um, you know, with the instructors sort of take you under their wing and, and give you a bit of coaching along the way or did it come pretty naturally to you? Uh, for me, it sort of came naturally because I've played a lot of video games as well that have planes and stuff. So I knew all the basic controls and how to do it. So I found it quite easy once I got the hang of it. Gee, that's interesting. But we all, you know, we older folk, we always say that the young guys got an advantage with you your reflexes and your your skills and stuff, but that, that connection between computer gaming and to RC sort of acquired a good connection. Belint, what about you? You know, you were the trailblazer. How did how did you learn how to fly? Um, so I learned sort of the hard way um, uh, at the park um, behind my house because I, I live next to a massive oval. I'm very lucky I can test fly all my small... I'm not going to fly anything big here, but all my small airplanes. So... How I learned to fly basically was my first airplane was a Cirrus, an SR-22, and it was big, 1.4 meter. For me, then it was big, it was taller than me, and I was scared to death by flying it. I didn't, I didn't fly it. Like I flew once and then it crashed, but then we took it to the hobby shop and fixed it, but I was very scared to fly it. So I stopped flying for about a year because I was too scared. Then I went to the hobby shop again and I bought a little trainer, a little Cessna, and that I actually got good at flying. Um, I mastered the orientation and everything of it. Um, and then straight after that, that's around about when I joined Pean Darks, I took my Cirrus down, which hadn't flown for about five or six years. And then I got one of the people there um, to maiden it for me. And then they handed the remote to me in the sky. And then it went on from there, really. Yeah. So did you, did you find that your flying improved once you got to the club environment? Oh, 100, 101%. It was basically from just flying a, flying in a circle in a park to proper aerobatics and figure rates and things like that. Yeah, okay, well done. And Guy, what about what about you? Did you go down a similar path as uh, the other guys that are teaching yourself to start off with? Um, not really. Uh, a, a few weeks after Balin invited me to 
go to the club, one of the members came up to me and asked if I wanted to go fly, which I said yes. Uh, and then from there, I picked it up quite easily because I played a lot of video games. And from there, I got uh, my first plane that was given to me from the club, and it was a Skyraider. Uh, it was like a kit balsa Skyraider. I can't remember the brand. But yeah, that was the first plane I ever had. Flew flew really well. Uh, yeah, and then from there, uh, built the fleet up. <laughs> of course, that's what really. we, that's always ended up happening. And and of course, you got the instruction from some from some of the club instructors as well along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Cameron, interested to hear your story because you know your father was into it. Was he? Did he get you into that club environment straight away and, and start teaching you or uh, did you go down to the park and see if you can crash some planes like the other boys? Um, it was my dad that really got me into it. Um, you know, he bought me a multiplex Easy Star, so just a simple three-channel pusher prop glider. Um, and, you know, he, like, he showed me just how to fly it, the basic stick controls. Um, and then we, and then I, was on a, I got on a buddy box with him just flying basic circuits um and then i went on from there to flying solo um and then from there i moved onto a multiplex fun cub so a bit more aerobatic um still a cub so still a trainer type aircraft but still good to fly yeah okay now all of you become pretty damn good pilots i've seen all of you fly and uh and you all know what you're doing uh <laughs> Like most of us in the hobby, we we find our place. Uh, what I mean by that is, some of us choose to go and down the aerobatic route, some scale, some gliders, some pylon, or whatever. Interested to know whether you think you've found found that pathway for you that you want to follow at least for for now, and and what that pathway is. Starting with you, Harrison. You know what? Where does your passion lie in the hobby? Well, for me, it's definitely aerobatics. I've always loved how the planes can do all the tricks and stuff in the sky. And I'm going down the F3A path. So I just bought a two-meter pattern model and did the maiden on Saturday, actually. And in December, there is two competitions, which will be my first two labor competitor. But hopefully, I can get good at F3A and that can be mine. Yeah, so that's that that you know I, I was there for your maiden and, and it was amazing. It was just a non-event. You flew it, flew the plane beautifully, and uh, I said to your mum actually that you're a very mature pilot for your age, the way that you fly. And choosing F three A is interesting in that it is a it is a very disciplined part of the hobby. But uh, from what I saw and how you flew that plane, you're going to be going to be a gun, and you know got to just keep on practicing. What about you, Balint? You mentioned you're into scale and. And scale warbirds as well, which is interesting for a young guy having that sort of affinity with uh, a warbirds. How did the scale thing come about for you? So the scale thing came about for me with um, so basically, essentially, from a long time ago. You know, I thought when I when I were to go to air shows, I'd end up at the warbirds for some reason. You know, I just like I just like the sound and the smell and the looks of the sleek World War Two fighters. Um, I, I like scale in general, like, you know, tests and stuff. You know, they're all my thing. 
Um, but I, I generally stick around the Warbird area. Um, I, re I have a big Thunderbolt that I fly out of Pindarks when Pindarks is not a swamp. Um, but yeah, I mainly, I mainly stick around the Warbirds side of things. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you, you've gone on that. But it's it, you know, my son, he's a bit younger than you, Belint, and he, but he loves older cars, older planes as well. So, you know, some of us, you know, like me, I have this misconception that most young kids aren't going to go down the Warbird route. But you have now, guy. I see you as a bit of an all rounder. Have you got a, a pathway sort of that you want to progress down? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at scale at the moment like Warbird and stuff like that, like everything scale pretty much. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if you're into scale, you'll never be uh, you'll never be bored. Now, Cameron, speaking of bored, I don't think you're ever going to get bored because, as you mentioned earlier, you're a pylon guy, aren't you? Yeah, most definitely. Now, I, I find pylon guys pretty fascinating because it's all about speed. Um, yeah. When you fly other planes, is it all about speed as well? So you're always trying to find something like this. You know, do you like flying fast or do you mix it up as well and, you know, like a Piper Cub or something? I enjoy all um, all kinds of flying, but I've, I, I've, I, I'll, I will always love pylon. It's just the speed factor of it. It's just incredible. The where do you, How do you go about practicing for pylon? Do you actually... You know, set up pylons at the club and 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 fly the triangle, or or what do you do? Um, so for the slower classes like your quickie five hundred, um, I used to fly them down at my local club, down at Western Port Model Aircraft Club. Um, but due to the amount of noise that the F three T and F three D produce, um, you have to go out into the country because the Pan Darks Club um doesn't allow pylon racing. Um, so we go out to a place just near Sale called Munro, and there's a specific pylon racing field out there that we go to um, in away in the country with like no neighbours or anything nearby, and it's just yeah, that's what you sort of need. Yeah, the, I had um, had Chris Callow on the podcast and learned a lot about um, uh, pylon racing from him, and, and it's it, the amazing thing about pylon is just not about the flying; it's about the preparation of the planes and the engines and the tuning, and you know, constantly tinkering. So, do you like do you like that aspect of, of pylon racing as well? Really trying to get the most out of your engine. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's always great to be learning something while doing something. Yeah. Well, you know, this brings me to the next question. That sort of it, it, talking about building building versus flying. Harrison, do you do you enjoy building models, or do you see yourself more uh, more a flyer than a builder? Personally, I'd see myself as more of a flyer. I really do enjoy the flying aspect of it over the building, but if I have to build something, I will. Yeah, so it's almost like um, building for a purpose, just to go out and fly. Well, Belint, you know, Belint and Guy both, you you know, you put your hand in the scale area. Belint, you said that you were um, you know, you, you, were, you were supposed to be at the World Champs this year. Do you enjoy building? Um, I I do enjoy building very much. Um, just for some reason, there's something about putting an airplane together and then watching your creation take the sky, which is very, very rewarding for me. So I do enjoy the building side and flying side of RC. 
know, with scale, you sort of get a bit of both, um, don't you? Because you judged yeah. on on the plane and the flying as well. What about you, Guy? You're a builder or a flyer? I'm more of a flyer. I, I don't think I'd ever get around to building a plane. You will. That's what we all say, Guy. <laughs> We all we all say that oh I'm never going to do that and in about five years time oh we've got it you know I always said I was never going to have a big plane and a trailer yeah well I've got multiple big planes and a trailer now and Cameron do you sit on both sides of the fence being involved in pylon or do you enjoy enjoy building as well as the flying? Um, I mainly enjoy the flying. Um, I'm just starting to learn how to build now with a few projects that we've got coming up with me and my dad. Yeah, well, you're lucky you got your dad there to sort of help uh, show you a few things. Like I, uh, back in my day, kids, uh, I, we had to build planes from kits. So back in the '80s, I built some gliders, and I tell you what, I had no no assistance. Actually, I must say, I was given a glider for as a present, and my dad did build it for me. Um, I don't know whether he enjoyed it. I've got to ask him, actually. I just remember that he did that. And then after that, I built some gliders and G-Boys, talking about botching it up. Um, my claim to fame is that the first glider I had, I was so keen to take it to the field to uh, to fly it that the, the tail, the glue hadn't dried on the tail properly and I had pins holding the plane together. And then I whacked it on the bus stop as I was entering the park and broke, broke the tail off. So then I had to go and fix it even before I got to fly it. So aren't I smart? Um now, you guys aren't work. Do, do any of you work? Anyone got anyone got a part time job or anything? Not me. Guy. No, I don't. I don't have a job. Good. None of you are working. So that mean that means you're spending a lot of time doing homework, and uh, no doubt. But um, so none of you have an unlimited budget for model planes. But if you had an unlimited budget for model planes. What would be the plane that you would want to have in your hangar? Starting with you, Harrison. I know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think Barley knows what I'd say. It would definitely be a calf models Corsair with the Vogue 250 and folding wings. Ah, Mr. Aerobatic has now gone scale. But look, I've always had the thing for the Corsairs for some reason. They've always been probably my favourite warbird. And if I had a budget, I'd get the calf models one. Oh, yeah, it is a it is a beautiful plane, and yeah, you do need the budget because the motor alone is going to cost you many thousands. But uh, I've have seen I've seen one at a at a flying event, and uh, with the wings folded up and stuff, and it's just phenomenal plane. Never heard how they fly in the air, but they they look awesome. What about you, Belint? Don't tell me you're gonna you want an F three A plane. I'd probably get a massive uh, Moki Focke or something along those lines, a Hellcat or something. Actually. Probably the calf Texan. Oh, you can, just make your mind up, Belint. Guy, what about you? What, what what model would you, if you had unlimited budget, what would you get? Oh, um, probably a pretty big P fifty one, P fifty one D Mustang. Uh, well, you know what? All he's been fascinated in those. I'll tell you what, guy. I I if I had to get a warbird, the P fifty one is my favourite warbird. And a lot of it is because I have the best P-51 Mustang book that I got when I was probably 12 or something. It is phenomenal. The imagery in it is, and the way that they printed it, it's got like metallic ink and all sorts of things. It is the best P-51 book ever. 
and I've got it still, and it's still in pristine condition. Now and again, I have a look through it, and the, the shape of the P51 is great. My only concern, boys, with warbirds is some of them are really tricky to fly. Like, oh, I, I've been to events where I've just seen Mustangs and Spitfires tripping over themselves and landing and taking off and all sorts of weird characteristics. So they scare me a little bit. So I, I don't know. Now, Cameron, what's your dream dream plane? Um, I'm going to go a bit different from the boys here, and I'm going to go with the Leonardo four-meter sport jet. Okay. Well, you still got the speed there, and it is a nice plane. Um, yeah. Look, the turbine thing—that's something I'm getting into, and and I, I can out of out of the four of you, I'm probably with Cameron because I love a sport jet. I love an aerobatic plane. You guys with the warbirds, I I love the look of them, but I'm just I don't know. They scare me sometimes. I've just seen too many flip over. If you have a look at the flat out RC Instagram page, I've got some good photos of Spitfires and Mustangs on the on the, on their uh, tail. Um, well, you've spent a lot of money between the between all of you, the the, the especially the guys that want the the mocky radials. Have, have any of you heard of the of, of a Kolm engine K O L M from Germany? Yeah. Yes, we have. Oh, I'd, if I could have an engine, I'd have one of those. They just scream. One of those in like a Reno Racer, Warbird, you know, Mustang or something like that. Galloping. galloping Ghost. The Galloping Ghost and the way that that screams on a high-speed pass. I'll tell you what, everybody has to stand up and, and watch that. But, uh, yeah, look, you've just spent a lot of money. Yeah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit with a quick-fire poll. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you – two options and you need to pick which option which side of the fence that you prefer the most right and some of these were sort of covered but will we'll get us into the swing of things it's just good to see where where you guys sit so and one at a time as soon as one person's answered starting with harry Belint, guy then cameron uh just shout out your answer so scale or aerobatic aerobatics go Scale. Aerobatics. Okay. There's a draw there. We could have picked that one. Now, here's another one for you. Electric or petrol? And when I mean petrol, it could be nitro or, you know, a gasser. Petrol. 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 Oh. <laughs> Good on you, boys. There's something about electric it. Electric is just... Electric. Yeah, electric and economic... <laughs> Is what? Sorry, cut out again, Berlin. Yeah, I, I might just quickly switch over to data. I'll be back. Okay, Berlin's going to be back. So anyway, you might drop out for a bit, but uh, if if in doubt, jump back in. Um, yeah, petrol's great. There's something about a petrol engine. I actually get my jollies when I start up like my petrol-powered ripper snipper, or or a a um a lawnmower or a chainsaw or something like that. I think this is just awesome. This is the set. How's this thing working? So. Yeah, still like petrol, but I must say the convenience of electric. Don't we love that? How we can just grab a foamy, whack a battery in, and off we go. And we don't have to think. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that, yeah. Now, good. Belinda, are you back? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Okay. So, um, building or flying? Well, we've covered that. Forget about that. We don't, don't worry about that one. Okay. This is an interesting one for me. I threw this one in because I just want to, I really want to see what you guys say. Flying event? Or just going to the club for a fly? Which one do you prefer, Harry? Well, I'd probably say a flying event. Yep. Berlin? Yeah, I'll, I'll say flying event. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say going to the club to fly. Yeah. What about you, Cameron? Um, I'd I'd say flying event. Yeah. Okay. To the, to the boys that said flying events, starting with you, Harry. What kind of flying events are you talking about? A, a competition or just a fun fly? Uh, probably more of a competition, like an aerobatic competition. Yeah. Berlin, what about you? Scale comp or fun fly? I'm a mixture of both. I do enjoy a good fun fly sometimes, but mostly uh, scale comps. Like, see everyone else's airplanes and stuff. I do enjoy that, so scale comp. Yeah, awesome. And Cameron, I'm assuming you're talking pylon events. Yeah. You just like yeah. to go fast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's another one, right? Dr- you might not be into these things, but what is your preference, right? Drones or helis? We're talking radio control here. Harry? I'd say helicopters. Mm. Um, Probably drones. I did used to fly drones quite a bit when I had them. So I am reasonably good at drones. Uh, so, yeah. Drones. Guy? Helicopters. Cameron? Uh, helicopters. Ooh, nice. I lost it. What was it, Harry? You said um helis, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. So that's three against one. That's that's interesting. I got both boys, and uh, I can go either way. But I think they're, they're a different sort of experience. Um, and I like all things radar control, so I get everything cracked. Okay, here's. I just really want to try. Blint's cracking up again. Blint, have you got yeah. dial-up internet or something going? I've no clue. My internet here is absolute dog crap. Um, I'll try and bang it. Let me migrate rooms. Maybe that'll help. Wait, he's migrating rooms. Okay, we'll keep on going, right? Uh, okay, here's another one. Another comparison type of planes. Gliders or jets? Jets. Uh, Blint, are you with us? Go, guy. I'd go gliders. Yeah. Cameron? Oh, um, I can guess this one. I'm going to say jets. Yeah. Or fancy that. I'm back. Belint, gliders or jets? Jets. Yeah. So did you all say jets? I think you did. Uh, I said gliders. You said gliders. Well done, guy. Oh, look, I'll go either way. I'll, I'll, I'll go fast and I'll go slow happily. I, I'm, I'm into gliders in warm weather and I'm probably into jets in colder weather <laughs> just because... I don't want to whack my plane to the ground on a nice brown summer field. Uh, okay, here's, here's an interesting one as well. Mode one or two? Harrison. Mode oh, one. no. <laughs> You're mode one, Harrison. Yes. Belint. He's the candid mode. Disgusting. Mode two. You're mode two, yeah. Guy? Mode one all the way. Cameron? Mode one for life. Well, look, most of you got the answer wrong there because mode two is the mode of champions. Uh, so you're going to have to ch- change if you want to be champions. But, uh, but it's interesting. Actually, Harrison, why did you go mode one? Was it something that you went to the club and they just said, oh, we fly mode one? Or, or you know, did you have to think about making that choice? Uh, no, I just got a plane and it came with a mode one remote. So I got used to that. <laughs> Did anybody have to, have to make the choice there? Just shout out if you had to make a choice. Uh, I did. I flew mode one once and it felt like driving a skid steerer. And then I threw that remote in the bin and then got mode two. Yeah. Well done, Belint. What about you guy? Did you have to think about it or you just turned up with a transmitter? No, I just got 
used to mode one. And Cameron, were you flying mode one because your dad was flying mode one? Yep. Yeah, nah. See, I, it took me a long time to decide whether to go mode one or two. I was sitting there just thinking, oh. and I started flying helis. When I got back into it, I started flying helis. And I thought, oh, maybe mode two is going to be easier with helis. And so it was. And now I've stuck with it. And it is a lot more natural for me, even though if you see the way I fly, nothing comes naturally. Um, okay, that's enough of our quick fire poll. Now, this is an important question for we old folk to get an understanding. that um, It's interesting that there's these, the four of you are all at the same club and you're really, really keen on the hobby. And there's a lot of people that say that kids don't really like flying anymore. You know, Harrison, what would you say to people that say the kids don't like flying anymore? Uh, well, if someone didn't like flying, I'd just tell them to give it a go. That's all I'd really say to them, I'd say. If you want to have something to enjoy, then it's better than doing video games or whatever. And it's more of like a hands-on experience compared to what video games offer as well. So, yeah. That's that's a really good way of putting it, actually, a hands-on uh, kind of experience, which is, um, yeah, 100% right. What about you, Belint? What do you think? Do you think that... You know, um, from, from... So... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, say what you want to say. Oh, I was going to say that, um, you know, from your experience with the other friends that you've got, you know, what are their thoughts around model flying and what you're doing with flying? So I recently, so um, one of my friends, I've known him for quite a while, um, about three weeks ago, um, he came up to me and said, um, I'm interested I'm interested in airplanes. We teach me some stuff come down, um, teach me how to fly. So um, a couple of weeks ago, he came down to the field and I took him up in my glider. I taught him some stuff. Um, but other than that, the only problem with this generation is that they're 100% into their iPads and screens, and they don't really look outside that. Like, there's a bunch of things you can do outside that. Like, if you look into aviation, there's a bunch of different areas that you can enjoy. So it's basically for everyone. Yeah, well, I'm a parent, and uh, I know that, we all struggle with with our kids being on devices and controlling them. I was in, I went to the Philippines last year and I, for work, and I was you know, having a drink with uh, a guy, and he was telling me how the hardest thing for him as a parent was keeping his kids off devices. And then I went to Singapore and I did the same thing, and another parent. So it's a universal problem that we've got. But it's interesting that you guys have sort of bucked that trend. Guy, were you into you know the, the iPads and the the computer gaming? Um, a lot or you know did were you more of an outdoorsy kind of person that wanted to do you know like harrison said getting more of the hands-on experience um i was kind of both really because i was i well i still am but i i'm a i'm still adventurous and want to get out there work with my hands and stuff like that but i also want to just stay home and relax and play on like electronics and like ipad and stuff like that yeah, well, I think you, I think there's room for both as a parent. I think there's room for both. It's when um, I think the challenge that I, I think most parents have got is that it can become an addiction, and then you guys have been able to, you know, kind of do both. Cameron, I'll, I'll finish that point, but I just want to get Cameron's. Cameron, were you into computer games as well, or was it really um, a bit of both for you? What's your situation? Um, I wasn't really into video games, honestly. I was 
more of an outdoor person. I mean, I played soccer for five years. Um, I play. I've, I, I'm still playing golf. I've started golf probably when I was eight or nine, maybe. Um, but I never really found time for video games. Um, it just, it was just a habit, just to get outside and enjoy, and and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a champion golfer as well. And it, it, what's interesting is that you know, I'm old enough to be your father, boys. But the I, I've seen um, the difference in, di- in, in different kids that we aero modelers are tinkerers. We don't mind learning stuff, getting our hands onto stuff to, to build things and then make that effort. The fact that, you know, you've got to get you know, pack the car, get to the field, build your plane, make sure your batteries are charged, all that kind of stuff. There's an effort to actually go and do it. Whereas with computer gaming, it's turning computer on and it's, it's there. And this is what a lot of older people complain about is this, there's no effort being made. And what I see is there's some kids that sort of can gravitate away from that and love getting their hands on, you know, through in my own personal experience. Um, the downside, I think, of the computer games is that, yeah, it can become addictive. And that means you forget about uh, any other options that are out there in the world. And like Cameron, it's interesting, you're, you're like an older, older guy that, you know, my experience was riding bikes. Because, you know, imagine if we didn't have the internet. You know, I had computers um you know and computer consoles and things like that but we were kicking the football playing cricket you know just reading magazines we we're doing all sorts of different things that were a bit more hands-on uh but you know what's interesting though boys as you talk i'm putting my sort of my marketing hat on you tell me that the kids are a lot of kids are sitting on their tablets and stuff well that's where we need to market we need to get in front of them videos and things like that putting in front of kids that might spark their imagination and interest to want to get out there you know if if <clears throat> What would you do to get more kids involved in model flying, right? So starting with you, Harrison, have you got any ideas on, you know, what are some of the suggestions you'd give people at flying clubs if they were trying to get more kids involved? Well, I'd just tell them to, like, advertise it at places like schools and whatever and say that it, to start out, it's not very expensive and it's a fun way to interact with other people who have similar interests and just have more of a hands-on experience than playing video games yeah parents would love to hear that as well what about you Bolin? what would you do to get uh, more kids involved maybe like set up a youtube or something on the internet and like they hey, Bolin, that, you know, Bolin, Bolin, the mouse stopped running on your dial-up modem we can't hear you very well. We'll come back to you, right? Just hold on to that thought. See if you can position yourself. Guy, hope your mouse has been fed. Uh, what would you do to get kids involved? Um, I'd probably do the same as Harrison, like put out posters and like brochures around schools and shops and stuff like that. And just if someone has any questions, just tell them uh, what, what it's like, uh, how simple... <laughs> easy it is to start start into it and how cheap it is to start off so see it's interesting that, <coughs> who was that is that Belint? <laughs> who's, so, yeah. who's the troublemaker on <laughs> this podcast it's Belint. uh it's interesting guy what you were saying and harry sort of said that as well about the cost that um hey, from where i sit the hobbies become cheaper like when i was a kid like radios 
if you wanted a good computer radio, you're paying over a thousand bucks. But the starting point. Now we can go and buy a radio for like three hundred bucks. It will do more than that a thousand dollar radio needs to do. Um, you know, we didn't have foam aircraft. You had to build balsa planes. If that means if you crashed it, you had this repair bill and all that. We had to go and buy covering and all that kind of stuff and cover the planes and you name it. Um, I really think that it is more affordable than ever, and I don't think that anybody that's trying to look at increasing participation in the hobby should should think that one of the barriers is price because as you guys said that you can pick up some stuff at affordable prices now Cameron from your experience because you, you know you're out there doing other other sports as well you know where do you sit when it comes to trying to get kids more involved in model flying because no doubt in your situation with other hobbies you've got to spend money to buy golf clubs and I, I bet you don't not running around with uh, you know, a bunch of 50 buck golf clubs you got from the op shop no um i think honestly just advertising for come and try days just try and get people out of the house try and get them down to the field give them demonstrations on like how the planes work um and then trying to give them hands-on experience you are you know cameron you know you boys you boys are a bunch of legends i'm gonna explain why i 100 percent agree with you i agree with you so much that the marketing proposal that I've given to one of our associations exactly says what you guys just said. And the funny thing is, nobody's doing it. Everyone, there's all these guys getting into rooms, having discussions about what we need to do to get young kids into the hobby. And you guys just answered that question and said, we need to advertise. Now, have any of you seen any ad to encourage people to come and have a go at flying model airplanes? Not one. No. 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 Not rocket science, isn't it? Everyone, did you hear that? Advertise the hobby. And Cameron, Cameron said come try days. So this is what I think is that you set up come try days, you advertise that, and then you can get people to come and touch and feel it. Because you tell me, guys, guy, interested to ask you, when you first turned up to a flying field and you saw the planes flying, how did it make you feel? Made me excited. <laughs> Because it, se- it seemed really fun and enjoyable. Yep. And, and Berlin, same with you. Like, you dragged Harrison into it, an influenced guy. But what was your feeling when you went to the field and you saw it for the first time when you saw model planes flying? Um, like, a shot, more, a shot of adrenaline, really. Like, you know, it was, for me, it's amazing. Flight is amazing in general. Like, yeah. And to see the airplane fly. Damn, I must try this. So. Yeah. And Harrison, you got introduced by Belint. So obviously you had some sort of idea that this could be okay. And we know that you've become obsessed. What was your feeling when you first turned up to the flying field? Well, when I first got there to start flying, I was actually a bit nervous to like see all the other big planes compared to mine. But once I got there, and met everyone and found out they're all really nice people and they're willing to help you get better and do it. I became more comfortable with it and I got more excited to go there each week. Yeah. And, and Cameron, you were sort of uh, born into it in a way through your dad. And so your dad had experience with the flying club stuff. Did you um, find that when you turned up to the flying club that they were, were catering for your needs, being a younger guy at the field? Uh uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's a really healthy atmosphere down there. Um, like most of the people you meet are really friendly, 
all willing to help out. Um, and I got that as well. Um, yeah. And, and again, I'll sort of ask all of you this question because most flying clubs, um, the, 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 the demographic, the average age of the member is pretty old. I'd be saying, oh, 55 to 65 could probably be the average. And then we've got plenty of guys that are doing well in their seventies and, and eighties as well. Um, which means most of the people at the field are sort of old enough to be your dad or your, or your granddad even. Do you think that you're lucky that you've got the four of you together, I, I suppose, but do you think that, um, starting with you, Harrison, do you think it'd be a different situation if you were the only young kid at the field and around um, a lot of older guys that you wouldn't maybe be as motivated to continue? Um, not really, I don't think, because once you start, liking the hobby even if there is no other junior members you're still wanting to keep doing it because you have that sort of motivation and addiction to keep flying and do better than you did last time so even if there was no other junior members i'd still probably want to do it quite a bit yeah what about you belint what are your thoughts on that in relation to having other young younger guys around you like obviously it helps you know because if you have friends down there it makes the situation a whole lot fun but if if said there was no one there that you know no junior members or no mates of mine i probably would still continue with the hobby because uh aviation for me is very very motivating and puts me forward so i'll still continue if there wasn't any other juniors down there yeah what about you guy you like the other guys you keep on doing it yeah probably it would take me it'll it would take me a while to like warm up to it and stuff but yeah i'd still continue with it yeah, and you, Cameron, you'd be used to it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd still get into it if I um if I was the only junior. Um, but at Westernport, um, luckily I wasn't. Um, had twenty seventeen, uh, F three D Junior World Champion Daniel Arapakis there. Yeah, he got me into pilot awesome. racing actually. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy and a damn good pilot as well. Yeah, look, even uh, I, I see how you guys interact and, and you know, that I think that having the four of you together, you know, like last weekend, Guy, you went at the field last weekend, but the the other three turned up and Cameron even just came down to say good day. He didn't even bring a plane, did you? And the other boys had planes no. <laughs> and Harrison had his big day out and Blint was disorganized and bought this model that he was putting together at the field. And I said, kept on saying, you believe why didn't you do it at home? He's like, what? I'm just setting it up here. But um, but I think that a lot of us at the club and, and outside of the club that see the four of you together are really impressed. And I think what the older guys do is really appreciate that you've made the effort and that, you know, they love to see younger people at the field and that's why they'll rally around you. And, you know, Harrison had Norm Morris by his side and really trying to support um, what you're doing. Same with all of you and Belint and Guy that, you know, people will, will will throw you a plane and say, look, I don't need this plane. Do you want it? That kind of thing. So I think that that connection between the younger generation and the older generation really helps everybody uh, kick along. And it's good to see that, you know, you'd probably still be in it even if you didn't have each other there, which means you probably hate each other, but uh, can't tell. Now... <laughs> 
one of the challenges for kids is that most of the flying fields aren't around the corner. Belint, you said that, you know, there's a park out the back, but, you know, you can't find anything decent really there. You know, how important is um, is it for you to have your parents' support when it comes to c- continuing with model flying, starting with you, um, Harrison? I think it's really important because if your parents are encouraging you to do something that you like, you're going to enjoy it a lot more and you'll get more planes as well compared to if your parents don't like it, they want you to do something else and you don't have a big place to fly. So having your parents support you do it makes it a lot more enjoyable and it's also good knowing they are actually liking you doing it and not wanting you to do something else but just sort of going along with it. Yeah, and you know, you know, you had your family around you for your maiden and, you know, Harrison on the weekend, he said, I can't, he was there early with the plane ready to go and, but he had to wait for, for his mom and his dad and his grandma came down before he could fly it because they wanted to witness the, the, the maiden flight of your new beautiful plane and your mum was a bit nervous and was over the moon. Oh, I wasn't nervous for you at all. I knew that you was, you'd be totally fine, which you were with it and, uh, and I was just over the moon to see you and, and even Belint, you, you know, your mum comes down to the field as well, doesn't she? Yes, yeah, she um, she comes down there quite a bit. She, she likes talking to the other people there. And, and being dark, is, it's in the middle of the field, so it's quite relaxing and quiet when no airplanes are flying. So she usually reads a book or something. But she's usually the backbone in my hobby. She um, helps me a lot throughout it because without her, I couldn't get to the field to do anything really. Yeah, so it's pretty important to have her there and... Please thank your mum for a wonderful donut. She cooked the field for us the other day. It was beautiful. What about you, Guy? I think I've seen your mum down at the field as well. Uh, yeah, she's she comes down not too often, but when she has the chance, she does. Uh, but, yeah, she supports me a lot, and it's good to have that support since it's pretty expensive for us. But, yeah, it's, it's good to have her support. Yeah, and Cameron, you've always got your dad by your side. Um, yeah. Which I think, in your position, is a little bit different because, you know, your your dad's really into it, so he's probably more than happy to rush to the flying field with you, whenever he uh, he says so. But um, I think it's what's interesting as well is he's seeing the parents mingle at the field. So, you know, I was talking to Harrison's mum the other day, and and she just loves coming down to the field. It's become a really big important part of uh, of your family, Harrison, and. and she said she loves coming down, and you know Belint's mum, who she's friends with as well. So, I, you know, I think that yeah, the role of parents is critical. And and Harrison, you really summed it up well that kids want that support from their parents, and um, because then you feel more motivated, you enjoy the experience more, and you want to keep on doing it. So it's an important lesson for for parents out there if your kids are into something. And you know what's interesting with a lot of you, you know, besides Cameron, is your parents weren't into flying but they really supported you. And I think that that shows great parenting. So well done to all of your parents for, for keeping you going. Um, and also supporting financially, because as you know, none of you have only got one plane, haven't you? Right? You've all got many planes. And yep. which means, you know, Harrison said, you know, and if, 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 if uh, you like it and they like it, you'll get more planes. Good one, Harrison. Get a job, buy your own planes. Stop getting your parents to buy your planes. Uh, at some point in time, you're going to have to fend for yourself. This is an interesting question, though, because there's a recurring theme. Every time I interview people on the podcast, they always tell me that they hit a certain age. This is for males because 
we don't see many females flying. I have seen some awesome pilots. Um, Corinne Palat is a great pilot. I'm trying to get her onto the um, onto the the podcast, but it seems to be the domain of the males, which is not the greatest thing. I'd love to see more more females involved in the hobby. Do you think that there will come a time when you turn around 18 that you will stop flying and go and chase women and the like and get into cars? Can you see that happening, Harrison? Uh, probably not, to be honest. I will always enjoy flying now that I've gotten into it. So even if I do go after women like cars and stuff, I'll still do flying as well, definitely. Yeah. Well... I don't know about Belind. I reckon he's going to go and chase the skirt. What do you reckon, Belind? Negative. Um, my my first goal at the moment is to finish off school, finish off everything, and you know get good at flying. But to be honest, I'm I'm not going to look really. I'm just going to continue with my career in life, and um, yeah. So I'm not going to be looking really. Yeah. What about now, guy? Have you got your license yet? Being turned eighteen, or uh, COVID hasn't no, given you a not chance. Because <laughs> do you think you'll be attracted to cars? You know what? This, you know what? Back in my day, when we all turned eighteen, it was all about having a fast car. Even though none of us could afford a fast car, so what was sort of fast? <laughs> it probably wasn't that fast. But nowadays, it seems to be four wheel drives. Young kids, pea platers, driving around with hotted up four wheel drives that are jacked up with big mud tires on them and stuff. Is that going to be you, guy? Um, probably not. No, I'm actually saving for a car at the moment, though. Uh, it's probably going to be a wagon of some kind. <laughs> Good. That means, yeah, go for the wagon because that means you're going to stay in the hobby. More, more room for planes. <laughs> yeah. And Cameron, what about you? Because you, you, you're pretty involved in other things and with your golf and stuff like that. Do you find it hard to juggle all the different different things that you're involved in? Um. Yeah, I do find it hard to juggle different things. Because, um, um, I mean, I play golf on a Saturday morning, which which for like for half a day, which kind of rules out going flying um, unless I go in the afternoon. Um, and I've got work as well. I work at KFC. Um, so that kind of rules things out a little bit, but I'll still always find time for flying. It's just in my blood. I just love it. You know, the advantage that you guys have got is uh, school holidays and uh, that gives you a bit of extra time um, to to get out there during the week and stuff like that. But um, my, my tip is make the most of it before you have to start working. Because then, well, you, you're a busy guy, Cameron, and you've got limited time. But, uh, but yeah, once you start working, it, it becomes a bit harder. But uh, so definitely make the most of it. Um, now, where do you guys hope to go with your model flying? Have you got a goal in mind, something involved in competition and and whatever? You know, Harrison, what's your, your sort of vision as far as where you want to go with your model flying? Well, my goal is to progress through all the levels in F3A and possibly in 2023 go to the World Championships for F3A if I can get to the high level. Is that the, is that the one that's going to be in Australia? Yeah, it's going to be in New South Wales, I think. Okay, because, yeah, I, was, I, I remember an announcement about the F3 World Championships coming to Australia, um, but... I couldn't. I went searching to see where, and uh, was it going to be a casino or something like that up in near Byron Bay? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, for memory. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I'm not, Yeah, I think it. I think it's casino. But that, I, I'm, I want to get to that event. I reckon it'd be great to, uh, you know, talk about good pilots at the world championship level, the best pilots in the world. And what about you, Belint? I know you've got your sights set on world champs and things like that, but 
you know, what, what, what's the goal for you? Uh, well, my goal really is to get like nasty climate, like, you know, since you know, go to different worlds all around the world and, you know, explore how other people from different cultures fly airplanes and their understanding of their point. But yeah, my goal really is to, you know, slowly get myself, not, yeah. Well, my, my goal for you is to get decent internet because, you know, I heard every second word, but well done, Belint. <laughs> Thanks for trying. Uh, <laughs> Guy, what was, um, what's your, your goal with your flying? Do you have a goal or you just want to see where it takes you? Um, I'm just going to see where it takes me. I've got no goal, to be honest. Yeah. You see, you're going to be the guy, uh, the guy's going to be the guy that just, he's going to be cruising at the club. He'll be eating plates of Belint's mum's donuts. He's going to be having a ball. He's going to rock up in his hotted up full drive, jacked up, pull his massive plane out there. Whilst you competition boys will be sitting there all stressed, like, oh, I have to be perfect. I can't fly that sequence properly. Cameron, what about you? You're involved in the pylon scene. We've seen some awesome Australian pilots. Like, like We really have a talent here in Australia for pylon racing. Do you see yourself competing at that top level or... Will you will you sort of happy to stay where you are? Um, I do eventually want to progress through to world champs. Um, I was supposed to um go for the world champ selection this year for the world champs next year, which was supposed to be held in America, but um due to COVID here and over there, which is really bad, um that's not happening at the moment. Um. But I've also got another goal on the young. I'd say just to try and encourage more people to get into the hobby. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a it's a big challenge, you know. But you guys told us how to do it. We have to go and advertise now. Um, it's been an interesting chat with you boys. I really I really enjoyed it because it, it's sort of given us a bit of insight as to to what's inside your guys' head and your own experiences within the hobby. And it's it's good to see that you've sort of all got. A different slant you know we've got harrison with the aerobatics we've got belint with scale we've got guy who's sort of can go in any direction um and then we've got cameron of course being a speed nut um and it just shows you that the hobby is so broad uh that it can it, it can really suit a lot of different people and you can find your place in it which is which is great and the thing is you, you still come together you know you go for your fly then you come together and have a chat and and it's all still aero modeling. You don't have to stick with the scale guys or stick with the aerobatic guys. You just stick with the guys kind of thing. Um, so that's really good to see. Now, you boys have listened to the podcast before. You know what my signature move is. And that signature move is asking you guys what has been your favorite model. Now, I'm going to go around the table and ask you guys. And remember, I just want one model. And it's something that you've owned. Not a comp half Corsair that you'd like to own, but what has been your favorite model to date? And it, and it could be for any reason, starting with you, Harrison, go for it. Well, that'd be my new Azure F3A model. Definitely. Yeah. Look, I don't blame you. Like that was a beautiful flying model and you flew it really well. So that's, and I think with that as well, it's going to be a model that's really going to get you into the, the F3A scene. And um, I'm going to be watching you and I reckon you're going to, you're going to do really well. What about you, Belint? Um, if you can, you hear me clearly. Yeah, that's the best it's been. But quickly, hurry up before it cuts out. The mouse is going to get hungry. My favorite airplane that I own is probably my big P forty seven. It's just something about it that I absolutely love. Yeah, is that the new, is that the plane you flew on the weekend? 
the big uh, petrol one, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. No, that is a beautiful plane. Um, he did fly that well as well. So you, you, man, you're damn lucky to have a plane like that at your age. It's a, it's a beautiful model. And guy, what about you? What's your favourite model? Um, mine would be the PC6 that I have. It's very nice in the air. It's, it's very cruising and stuff like that. The, the, also, yeah, the PC6 is a good model. What else did you say? What were you gonna say, guy? Oh yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, no, really, yeah, the PC six is a, yeah, he's an awesome model. And Cameron, what about you? You got plenty of models to choose from the uh, the family hangar. What's your favorite model? Favorite model, honestly, it's probably my dad's Elite Aerosports Havoc. Oh, that's a great look. That that is an awesome. He hasn't flown it, Gavin. I mean, Cameron, Gavin, your dad hasn't flown it. I know, <laughs> oh, but I've, I've I've given him a bit of curry about uh, not flying. Well, look, it's not his fault. We haven't had a chance. We've been locked up, so we haven't been able to get out. But uh, definitely in the next twelve months, not even that. I reckon the next four or five months is going to have it out. But that is an. Do you reckon he's going to give you a go of it? Probably, I'd say so. Well, I've seen that plane fly, and um, I wrote an article on it for the Flat Out RC magazine. And uh, the Elite Aerosport Havoc Sport Jet that Cameron's talking about, it's it's a massive massive uh jet and it just flies like a puppy dog it is it, it, it had no problems in flying i i knew that the guy that built it the previous owner and he said it's just so good to fly um so yeah you know i'll, I'll get into your dad's ear about giving you a guy uh, a bit giving you a go at it because uh, i reckon it's awesome well you fly mode one though i was gonna say can i have a go but uh Belint and i <laughs> fly the mode of champion so well she we're playing Belint. um well that's that's awesome guys that's that's uh really been a pleasure to have you guys on there you're a good bunch of guys and you know thanks for joining me with this experiment having four of you at once and uh on the on the podcast and and my aim was to have you on as a group to really bounce off each other and and sort of get to see the different different um experiences that you've all had but i've got to thank you for for spending the time with me and 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 sharing your information because uh it was really good now we're going to end this in a big rush and what I'm going to do is I want to see who, who do you think is the best pilot in the group. And you're all going to answer at the same time. All right? So you probably got it in your head. So I'm going to count down from three, and you're all going to say your answer at the same time. You ready for it? Okay. Who is the best pilot among you? Three, two, one, go. Bullet. Guy. Guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, all the best uh, in your future flying endeavours. Keep up the good work. We'll be watching you guys, looking over you and helping you as much as we can whenever you need it. So uh, well done and thanks a lot for joining me here on the Flat Out RC Podcast. Now, that was a mean feat, trying to get four young kids onto the podcast and all trying not to talk over each other. Big thank you to them all for joining us. A couple of technical difficulties. Belint had a couple of issues with his internet throughout, but you can forgive him for that. It's not his fault. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed that chat with uh, four great guys, just good, decent kids that love their aero modelling. And and I think they're going to be in it for a while. I, I can't see them swaying. They're... they're, they're super excited about being involved in the hobby and you know one of the points that i really was interested to hear is what they think needs to happen with the hobby and how to get young kids in and and i didn't i didn't tell them about that question until sort of just before we went on air but 
didn't have any discussion and to hear you know their very frank opinion on what needs to happen which is advertise the hobby uh was something that I, i've felt was necessary um but it, what it shows you that I know that there have been groups of people that have got together and almost have conferences about what do we do about the hobby and how do we promote it and what do we need to do and how do we get young kids involved? Well, go and ask the young kids and they'll give you a frank answer. And we got that. And and the concept of advertising, I think, is something that associations, flying associations and even clubs forget to do, that you need to promote the hobby to a new audience. You know, We don't need another newsletter. Uh, we need ads to try to get uh, people involved and come try days. Come try days are great. Michael Andrusik from the IMAC um, group, he managed to bring back IMAC to the state of Victoria down here by running Come Try Days. As simple as that. That is the model. Come try, uh, come try days, organize and then advertise them, and that'll really, really start the process. But you know, I've you know I've done a little deep thinking this week, and not just on the state of the hobby and that kind of stuff, which you know I've, I'm I'm done with thinking about that. But talking about our responsibilities, aero modelers, and and our role in keeping the hobby alive. And I'm not talking about turning up to your local flying field and buying well aeroplanes and flying them and doing all that. I'm thinking about other things, such as our responsibility to do the right thing to keep the opportunity alive. And I've, I've been talking about a, a lot amongst uh, friends and other people about this concept of keeping the opportunity alive. So, for example, um, and I mentioned this in last week's podcast after going for a fly and Stevie Melkman mentioning that you know, we're coming off a break of not having flown for a while. So be responsible with your flying and, and be mindful that, you know, you might be a little bit rusty and not as sharp as you were pre-COVID lockdowns when you could get out to the field a bit more. And and it's something that I personally take a lot of responsibility. I know there's some people out there that are keep on wondering when I'm going to fly my jet because, you know, people say I talk about it a lot. Well, it's a podcast and I have to talk about stuff, people. I don't know whether any of you have run a podcast but it'd be pretty boring if we were just silent but anyway i do have a jet and i'm going to fly it now i'll give you my angle of what being responsible is about around flying my jet uh we're coming up to summer here in australia um our grass dies off it's a very dry place uh, which is not great for certain aero modeling aspects especially if something goes wrong and if i ditch my jet into a grass field there is going to be a fire so I've got that running in my mind. Secondly, as Stevie Melkman is 100% correct, everyone's a little bit rusty, including myself. I've been playing on the sim, try to keep some of the rust at bay, but it doesn't fully work. So am I ready to fly my jet? No, I want to make sure that when I do fly my jet, I'll be as safe as safe can be. No doubt I can go and fly my jet now and I wouldn't have an issue. But it's not just about that. It's about being responsible. So I'm going to wait till after the summer months. I'm going to use the time wisely to brush up my confidence and my skills and blow that rust out that is formed during the COVID period so that when I go, I'm going to be safe for everybody. Uh, the other ways that we can be responsible is just making sure we're flying the right kind of plane in the right environment. So going to a small field and trying to fly in a giant scale plane or a jet or you know something that eats up the sky um, is going to be challenging. Uh, if your club only has a 400-foot height ceiling, then you have to respect that, which means flying certain models that eat up the sky again, you're going to break those rules. Uh, flying in public spaces, another responsibility of ours. We're not supposed to do it in most scenarios. It's, you know, There's a place here in Melbourne, Caulfield Racecourse. It's a racetrack. 
horse racing track and you are actually allowed to fly in the center of it but my way of being responsible in that space is i'll only fly a profile foamy plane because i don't want to go high um if i go too high and something goes wrong with the plane the plane comes down it could drift and end up easily on a road and we're talking about built up suburban area here you could hit the railway line it could hit into houses it could go into shops i don't want that hassle so what i do is i'll fly something that i can uh, fly at a relatively low um, confined space that if something goes wrong it's going to ditch in the in the confines of the race course itself that's what i call responsible um there are other things that are imposed on us through government regulations which we've witnessed for the first time this year really for many of us which is you know wearing masks and things like that well again that's being responsible a responsible aero modeler and abiding by the club regulations that um are really just reinforcing the government regulations so I think it's always important to be mindful of that before we go flying, that I know that we love flying our planes, but sometimes we just need to respect others, respect safety and respect the rules so that we don't break them. Because as we know, one person does something wrong and then it tarnishes everybody. And we're in an interesting stage with you know the um, Civil Aviation Safety Authority uh, trying to work out new regulations for drone usage and all this kind of stuff. We make one one wrong move, and that's what's going to be focused on. I know that that 99% of us turn up to the flying field and do the right thing every single time, and it's just that one person. So the other responsibility we have is to pull that one person up. If that one person is going to bring us all down, then we're not doing the right thing by saying pulling them aside and saying, look, just don't do that. And if, you, if that person gets offended, well, bad luck. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lose my opportunity to go flying because someone did something stupid and I didn't say anything. So if you see me in a flying field and I come up to you and I might have a funny look on my face, that's not because I'm a funny looking person. Well, some may say that, but it's because I'm probably going to have a chat with you and say, you know that the height here is 400 foot. You're at a thousand. Just do the right thing. Just respect the other people that are around you that are doing the right thing. Anyway, I love enough of my lecturing. Have a think about it yourselves and uh, send me a message if you disagree, if you think we should be able to do whatever we like, but anarchy doesn't rule. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another jam-packed show here on the Flat Out RC podcast. And again, a big thank you to our experiment, the younger guys, the, the younger demographic. We're talking Harrison, Belint, Guy and Cameron. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you spending that time. You know, a few nerves before we started, but I think they did an excellent job and I hope you enjoyed the chat that we had and, and learned a little bit about them and their, uh, you know, learned from their story as well as how they got into the hobby so that you can put that into your memory bank if you want to help out and... Uh, improving the hobby getting some more young kids involved so a big thank you to those guys uh the rain has started to fall i'm looking out the window now and it's a sunday evening i always record these intros on the sunday before the wednesday so it's a little hint every wednesday this flat out rc podcast comes out subscribe then you'll know when it comes out you'll be the first to be notified so uh it's it started to rain we needed some rain it's been a bit light on for a week or so so uh keeps the grass green and you always love a green field so stay tuned more coming uh 
Probably uh, complaining we're going for a fly next weekend. Fingers crossed, weather plays ball, and uh, I'll be able to get out there. And I hope you can too. Don't forget, subscribe to Flat Out RC Podcast, the YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram. Jump on board with the Flat Out RC movement. And I'll be back next week with another episode as we storm, steam, storm towards the end of the year. You can see it now. Thanks for joining me.